Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello, and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virgil Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And there are some shows that are just absolutely special because of the guest. And then there are some shows that are absolutely special because of the content. Well, I'm excited because this one is special because of both. Uh, my initial connection with uh, tonight's guest is she is my soror. She is a, a member and a mentor of me, of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And um, since college days, she has influenced, inspired, guided, and supported me. And I am so excited to share her with you in our conversation. And the title that she picked for this conversation is Using Pain as a Paintbrush. And for those of you who follow me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, I actually posted a picture of the paintbrush that I use when I am coaching or training teams. And we're talking about how we add value to teamwork or to our business or our career or within the mission that we're, we have been called to do. And I often, when I tell them to bring an object that represents that for them, I always bring a paintbrush. And I often say that I reflect on using this as an object that reflects me because I'm a creative. I absolutely love in seasons of change to use creativity to add value to whatever I'm connected to. Well, this conversation is going to continue to broaden that perspective of how we paint, not just in creative times, but even in the pain that we experience. And so she has, for a few decades now, <laughs> been an inspiration <laughs> as well as her insight. I know that made you chuckle, right? It has been decades. <laughs> she has, her wisdom has been uh, one in which I have found so much value in. And so this evening, minister, reverend, activist, counselor, innovator, and author, Laureen Williams, is known for her ability to give voice to the deepest expressions of spirit and connect them to the daily experiences of living. In her words, the moment of saying yes to pain can be the first of many moments where pain becomes a paintbrush to create something unimaginable. Reverend Lorene Williams believes the purpose of ministry is to serve and empower community such that people experience their natural connection to others. 
She asserts, the more we function from understanding the depth of our interrelatedness and degree of our interdependence, the more each of us can consciously create our lives and contribute to a world that serves us all. Church would expand beyond its walls as a house of God to God housed in us and the congregation from a group of people assembled for worship to worship resembled in people, sought after for her compelling conversations, engaging inquiries, sense of humor, and unique perspective on spirituality infused living, Reverend Laureen Williams explores with people how to embody their personal truth in alignment with spiritual truth for greater fulfillment, power, joy, and peace of mind. Her accomplishments as a writer, a counselor in ministry, public speaking, and transformational workshops have provided innovation not only to programs, but to individuals like you and like me. So I'm excited to share with you my soror, Laureen Williams. Welcome to the show, Laureen. Thank you so much, Vietra. I just love, love this opportunity of being with you in your ministry. Like I really see this as your ministry and I am really mm-hmm. privileged to be here to have this conversation with you. Just excited. Yes, so am I. Your insight and how you actually perceive and see into situations, I'm really expecting people to walk away thinking differently about pain as well as paintbrushes. Yes. (laughs) And if we think about the pandemic that we have all globally been experiencing, pain is usually something that people avoid. But with the image of something that is usually used as a creative tool, like a paintbrush, what do you mean by the term to use pain as your paintbrush? You know, when I thought about this, I think why I said pain as a paintbrush is because one, pain is a disruptor. It will wipe the canvas of your life clean (laughs) and clear. You know, it will sit Mm -hmm. you on your behind when you need to be still. It will pull off the mask when you need to breathe. It'll take the blinders off when you're unwilling to see. You know, pain is this thing that um, is unavoidable and we all experience it in different ways. And I think when you think of a paintbrush, a paintbrush, we all know what purpose it serves, but it really doesn't have power until you pick it up and use it. And pain is similar. You know, unless you sit down with it and befriend it and pick it up and use it, you really miss out on the opportunity to create something unimaginable. You know, pain breaks you down to your core. And in breaking you down to your core, you start to recognize sometimes faulty beliefs, um, inaccurate paradigms, um, wounds that need to be addressed and healed. And so I think of pain as this invitation to create, this invitation to paint and play and express in new ways. 
And so, but you have to sit down with pain. You know, I, I'm one who I try to avoid it, ignore it, use every distraction under the sun. And, you know, spirits like, yeah, you can try all you want, but what I need you to do is sit down and be with it. And when you're with it, it can be this um, friend. It can really be a friend that has you relate to yourself, your life and living life newly. That is so powerful. As you began to even talk about pain, I, I literally thought of kind of that exposure that happens and, and, and we can be exposed through experiences that are painful. And how often does that pain or the, the, the impact of that pain get magnified because we're trying to push it away, avoid it, feeling frustrated by it, instead of, as you just said, pull it closer. And what, are, what could we potentially begin to do with it? I think that that might begin to have people kind of pause and think about what am I doing with this pain? Yes, I think, um, you know, I, I, when I was thinking about this, I thought about um, Lady Sings the Blues and when she sings that song and says, heartache, sit down, you know, and I also thought of this Rumi poem that is about, you know, being a human being as a guest house and you want to welcome all emotions as invited guests because you never know if there's a deep sorrow that's gonna violently sweep your house clean of its furniture to open you up to some new delight. And I think that that is a really powerful statement when you can take pain and hold it and be with it and discover something with it. You know, when my brother passed, it was so unexpected. You know, he had an aneurysm. I was literally on my way to a girl's trip and got the news that he was in the hospital. And it just was one of those things that I had to sit with the pain of him being in the hospital and possibly not make it. And the pain of, I thought I would have time to repair things in our relationship. And I know people have been dealing with that in the pandemic, that people have lost family, have lost friends, and you just always think you'll have time. You always think you'll have time. I think about how in literally what you just shared is something I talked about in a coaching session earlier today with a client that emotions are not something that we need to try and push away, avoid, recognizing that God has given us emotion on purpose. They're not a mistake. And we've actually said on this show in the past that all emotion is okay, but all behaviors are, are not. not. And so it's, it's, it's recognizing what are you going to do with it? And when I think about some of the grief, the loss, the literal sweeping of houses, of relationships, of regret. When you're talking about taking those moments and using the analogy of a paintbrush, how did that ring true in your experience of navigating grief 
for you as well as your family? Well, one of the things was I sat down with my mother. We were doing the plans for my brother's service. So my brother passed away in 2015 and I was ordained in 2013. And so my mother was going to ask a a reverend who was a friend of the family who was supporting us throughout this journey and was going to have her, you know, officiate the service. As I'm sitting there and listening to my mom, I'm thinking, no, like all I kept hearing was no. And I said, no, she, she can't do it. And that was no slight to her. I know she would have done a fantastic job, but I was like, it's my brother. I need to do this. And I sat down and I had to first grieve that I didn't show up for him in the way that I really wanted to as a sister. You know, people aren't always truthful about who they are in relationships. And I had to really own that I was a better friend to friends than I was to my brother. And often, you know, in our relationships, people are close to us and we can't see them for our history with them, for our judgments about them. And so during this time, I had to sit down and be with my regrets, be with my um, upsets um, and sit down and say, "Okay, let me discover my brother. Let me like there's who I think he is, but let me discover my brother and let me discover him in a way that I could tell his story through him, not through me, that I could just be a conduit. So I really took his life as like a canvas and said, I need to wipe this clear of everything that I think is on this canvas. And I started to interview his friends and other family members. And I got to start to see my brother in a new way. And I really got to, one, really deeply appreciate the freedom that I got to live with because he was living at home with my mom. And we don't always think of that Mm. when we have siblings that are at home with our parents, but you get to not worry about your parents. You get to live your life and freely travel and do this and do that. And I had to really sit down and appreciate um, how much freedom he gave me to live mm-hmm. and the care with which he took care that of is, my mom. As I think about not only in the loss of your brother and how you did the hard thing that sometimes people in, in critical moments, I just a couple of weeks ago um, was able to give a keynote message for Soror Dorothy I. Heights inaugural tea. And one of the things that people said about her was that she could have lived a very comfortable life, but she often chose to do the hard thing. And I think about how in the in our assignment, as you said, our lives are an opportunity to live ministry, that we will oftentimes be called to do the hard thing. And how can we embrace those moments and still create, learn, grow, and get to a better place using even the hard things out of out of situations. Would you say that 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 resonates with you? Completely. I mean, it was hard to sit down and really look at who I had been for my brother. And I really started to discover also 
how much of a minister he was, who he was for people, how he dealt with people. And so it helped me be a better minister in extraordinary ways, mm. in really wow. extraordinary ways. I can't believe, I cannot believe that we are already getting ready to come up on our first commercial break. Wow. But before we do, I would love for you to continue to unpack for us because I know when people talk about paintbrush or things like that image, that they immediately think about the artistic perspective of a paintbrush. And not everyone will say that they're creative. People often will say, oh, I'm not creative, mm -hmm. but everybody has experienced some type of pain. So why a paintbrush where sometimes people will say, I'm not this, but we all can embrace the fact that we have experienced pain. Why did you pick a paintbrush? Well, I picked a paintbrush because I think the moment you hold a paintbrush, it alters your relationship to who you think you are. As you said, everybody thinks I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. But the moment you pick up a paintbrush, something else gets called forth. And I, I assert what gets called forth is that you're a creator made in the image and likeness of the master artist. <laughs> so everyone has the yes. ability to paint and create whether or not they own it. And I think a paintbrush allows you that. to do that. Yes. And as I think about everything that you've said leading into this first break, it's an opportunity for us to shift our perspective mm -hmm. as well as our perception yes. of what we can do when pain shows up and what can we even create? Like what the moment it's in our hands, what will come forth for us? Oh, I already feel you just your whole or since college, your aura has <laughs> always just allowed me to feel like, oh, this is just a moment with the sage. I am loving oh, you so much. Thank, thank you so much for this opening conversation. We are going to get ready to take our first commercial break. Okay. And if you haven't had a chance to check out our website, livingstrongllc.com. We have many services in which we try to support teams and leaders, ministry, those that we also just call our girlfriends to be able to identify ways to experience what life has given you and continue to identify how can I live strong through it. So if you want an opportunity to explore more of our services during this break, check out our website, livingstrongllc.com, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. John Maxwell lets us know that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Let's welcome in this new season of change with a clear vision for growth. Join us for session two of the Girlfriend Gathering series, Season of Change. It's 
is designed to bring strategy and accountability to action. March 26th at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., virtual and in person, we will turn the mirror on ourselves and take a look at our habits and how they impact our ability to grow. Each guest, whether virtual or in person, will participate in an engaging experience that will leave you equipped to conquer your goals. March 26th session will have experts who provide tools on time management, making time for sustainable change, financial habits that will change your relationship with credit, and more. You will have the opportunity to network, create meaningful relationships and accountability with growth-oriented women. You don't want to miss this opportunity to change your world. Returning guests, don't forget your homework assignment. Give your puzzle piece to someone who you think would benefit from this growth opportunity. And because you are a Voice America listener, we have a promo code for your discount ticket. It is GFG 2022 and register at www.livingstrongllc.com. We hope to see you in the Girlfriend Gathering. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. I have been having a powerful conversation and insightful conversation with my soror, Lorene Williams, um, but she's not only my soror, she is an author, a minister, um, an activist, an innovator, and just an amazing woman of God who looks into others' lives to speak life and truth and connection. And as she has been sharing her perspective around how she was able to take the pain of the loss of her brother, take that grief and identify a way to honor him, his life, as well as be honest with herself we talked about in our first segment how pain can absolutely disrupt, expose, and challenge us all. But she used the analogy of a paintbrush to set the tone for this conversation. And as we go into recognizing, we talked about how the pandemic has had different types of pain experiences for all of us globally. Could you share what advice or insight would you give others on how they could use their pain as a paintbrush? Certainly, you know, it was interesting when the pandemic happened, when it started, um, I remember saying, well, how can I be of service? And on Fridays, I started to send out this thing called um, 
I think it was cult, cultivating oneness and vision um, in demonstrative ways or something like an acronym for COVID. And I started thinking, well, what are creative ways to deal with this whole pandemic? And some of it involved journaling. And I know a lot of times people do not want to sit down and do not want to write myself included sometimes, but journaling is a great way to accept, you know, to really get access to your, your inner thoughts, the truths that you normally aren't willing to own, to um, discover a new perspective. And so I started su suggesting different ways, like use your voice memo, if you want, instead of writing it down. So create kind of a journal through your voice memos to, um, sit down and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people that you've been avoiding, that you know the relationship needs repairing. And here's an opportunity to do that. Um, I suggested ways of looking at your life right now. You know, it's kind of this whole disruption. It's almost like a puzzle. Like when you take a puzzle and you dump it on the table and the pieces are everywhere, you know, there is no way that you look at, oh, I need to do this puzzle right. You're curious. Mm -hmm. You, you know what the end product is, so you trust the end product, and it's no different. You know the end product of life is that God is good and good all the time, no matter what's going on. You know that to be the truth. So then you can look at your life in the same way and start picking up pieces and look at them and say, you know, do I really want to keep this piece? You know, there are times when people were in relationships that weren't honoring them or the other person or you were in a job that didn't honor you, or you knew that you weren't bringing everything that you could to that job. And so I really wanted to invite people to use this time to really reflect, to just look at your life, you know, be with the pain of the disruption and the uncertainty and the, you know, I don't know what's going on or what the future holds. Right now is the moment. All you have is this moment right now and be able to sit down with your life and say, okay, what do I wanna do with my life? Here's a chance to clear my canvas and paint anew. What will I paint? Will I keep painting based on what society says I should paint? What my family says I should paint? What my upbringing says I should paint? Or will I paint from what my heart says it wants to paint? Wow. I think about those moments because I actually had a very similar experience. Um, I was, it was actually very shortly after the, we realized that we were going to be in the house isolated for a period of time. And it was, I was in a meeting and everyone was talking about how um, frightened they were, how um, everything was, it, it, it was the, the most life draining meeting, virtual meeting. We were all just learning how to do Zoom. And I said, you know what? I will not be in another space where that level of fear and toxicity mm -hmm. will absolutely um, deplete me. I will not allow that to be what I fill myself with. And so became very intentional about the diet of news, the mm -hmm. diet 
of conversations. And I intentionally had conversations around joy and challenged people to look for joy. And, And it doesn't have to be the big things. Where can we find joy and tap into it and open our eyes and our perspectives? And something that you were just describing, I feel like in each of those opportunities, it was a chance for people to tap in into their creative areas. And I know your poetry, I know that it's very funny to me that you would say writing is not your, (laughs) the, the thing that you jump to, because I have experienced your poetry, um, on social media. And so I I would have never guessed that because you are so gifted in your writing and your ability to express. And I'm curious your thoughts on what role would you say creative expression plays in healing the mind and the soul? It, it plays a huge, huge role. You know, um, I, one of the things that I've really thought about when it comes to the pandemic is I feel like the pandemic is returning us to the womb, that kind of going mm. inside, going internal. And, you know, the womb was the first place that we knew every human being. There's not a one human being who did not have that experience of darkness, of quiet, of stillness, yet we avoided, yet that was the place that we knew as home. And so I see the pandemic as this chance to kind of return home. So it's interesting that we were all in our homes and you had a chance to really use it to return home and in returning home, get back to this fact that we are creatives. We are creative beings. And so creative expression is our power. It is our source of power. It is the source of being able to navigate life, to move through life with ease, with grace, with power, with joy. And it really takes um, a certain willingness, really, like the willingness to just sit and be still and let answers arise. We all come to life with our with a certain wisdom and answers. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, are you willing to be still? And I'm someone, you know, People would call me, they're like, how are you doing in the pandemic? Because we know you like a flow. We know you like hanging out and dancing and this and that, house music. I was like, oh, I'm fine. Because I didn't try to resist it. I used the season. I looked at the season and I said, what's the invitation here? And the invitation was to be still. And in that being still, there were there was just so much creativity coming up. Like the idea of sending out these ways of... um, approaching the pandemic, you know, all these DJs that were getting so much publicity. And that's when you think about it, creatives were leading the way. And that's because we need more of our creatives and the artwork and the dance. We need that in our lives and we don't give it its due. And I felt the pandemic was a way to balance our doing this with a chance to be because we are human beings. Mm -hmm. We're not human doings, but we tend to do life as opposed to be in life, so. And we actually, even in what you just shared, we will often have our doing define us 
And that then becomes a distraction to what we potentially authentically were meant to be. Yes. And when, when I think about how doing becomes a distraction, I'm curious, how does that connect with your perspective on meditation? Because I know that that's important to you as well. It has become important. So it was one of those things that as we talked about things we avoid, I was avoiding meditation. And I was someone who, when I was a runner, I'm one of those people who likes act activity as a way to meditate. So not meditation isn't always be still, but it is a certain stilling. And so running was that for me. But when I would sit still and like fold my legs, I was like, oh, this is straight torture. But then I said, you know what? I think it's just my, my resistance. Let me just be with being still and discover something. And in meditating, I started to discover this real peaceful place that no matter how chaotic life was, there was always this place and space of quiet and a place that you could always tap into to hear your own heartbeat, to hear your own voice, to tap into your own wisdom. And um, thanks to a conversation with a a friend, uh, he is someone who um, I wanted to talk with about doing inner child work. I wanted to do some healing over some past childhood experiences. And we ended up being connected. We talked Um, very deeply and intimately after George Floyd. He's a white male. And we end up having this conversation about racism and about the stress of it and the pain of it and the trauma of it. And in that came this love offering is what we called it, of meditating. And he is someone who's meditated for life, does conferences, et cetera. And so he would lead the meditation and I would bring community. And in January, I had mentioned to you before the show in January, he took his life. And that was really difficult and painful. I've had a lot of grief, but I've not had someone take their life. And it was, it really took something to be with that, but to also see the the gifts that he had given me that I could now step into. Mm -hmm. You know, there were things that he handled, technology, social media, that I just resist. And I said, no, he showed you, you now, he's your partner still. He's just not here in the physical, Mm -hmm. but he's still your partner guiding you. You can do this. And so we've continued uh, that meditation and it's been magical. You know, it's been a stretch for me to lead guided meditations, but that's, you know, what is life? Life is meant, you're meant to stretch. You're meant to, you know, stumble, (laughs) fall, get up and learn how to walk and run and play and all of that. So it's been amazing. Wow. That is another example of how you reframed grief and loss. And before we take this second break, I'd love for you to just take a moment to sit with that a little bit more for those who are struggling with grief, with um, trying to reconcile loss. I know that you had shared earlier to to be willing to um, look into their story and become honest with ourselves 
Is there more that you would like to add to that for the person who is sitting in a place of pain right now and it's actually due to a grief moment? I would say um, in some cases, sometimes it's just yelling. We resist, you know, certain expressions. Sometimes it really is about closing the door, taking a pillow, if you've got like finding a room, a place and screaming into a pillow and letting emotions out. You really have to be willing to like rail against God. You railing against God is not the first human being to rail against God. God will be okay. You can rant, rave and yell. And I think sometimes we resist those things, but that's the way to actually get it out of our bodies and get it into expression. And once it's into expression, then there's something you can do with it. You can hold it. It's now not holding you. You're holding it. And literally, you can take a paintbrush and say, well, what will I do with it now that I'm holding it and it's not holding me? What will I create from this pain? You know, you. I think of the, what was it, the the mothers against drunk drivers that stem from a loss. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that have stemmed that people have created something out of their loss. And that's no different for us. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could be creating a new relationship to the people that are still with us. I, you had me at, when we are able to get that, whatever it is, that energy out of ourselves, and we can begin to hold it as opposed to it holding us. Because there are some of us that the lack of willingness to express true, raw emotion is actually killing our yes. nervous system, our mind, and actually being vulnerable enough to release it and recognizing God is not offended. He already knows your heart. He's well. not offended. He can handle it. <laughs> he can handle it because he already knows the pain is there. He's just get it out of you, yes. offer it to me. And as you offer it to me, watch what I'll do with it. Well, speak that it. is, oh, that just for me. I tell you what, we are already at our second break. Wow. And I am full. I am full. I told you it have it goes by so fast. Everyone always says that. But I am absolutely on full and can't wait for us to come back and continue this conversation on how can we cultivate hope yeah. in the process of processing pain and what is hope and healing. So stay with us as we take this commercial break and come back so that we can continue to cap off this dialogue in a place of hope, healing, and connection. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. John Maxwell lets us know that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Let's welcome in this new season of change with a clear vision for growth. Join us for session two of the Girlfriend Gathering series, Season of Change. It's designed to bring strategy and accountability to action. March 26th at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., 
virtual and in person, we will turn the mirror on ourselves and take a look at our habits and how they impact our ability to grow. Each guest, whether virtual or in person, will participate in an engaging experience that will leave you equipped to conquer your goals. March 26th session, we'll have experts who provide tools on time management, making time for sustainable change, financial habits that will change your relationship with credit, and more. You will have the opportunity to network, create meaningful relationships and accountability with growth-oriented women. You don't want to miss this opportunity to change your world. Returning guests, don't forget your homework assignment. Give your puzzle piece to someone who you think would benefit from this growth opportunity. And because you are a Voice America listener, we have a promo code for your discount ticket. It is GFG 2022 and register at www.livingstrongllc.com. We hope to see you in the Girlfriend Gathering. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. Our last portion of the conversation just completely resonated with my soul and so much of the trauma work that we've spoken about on past episodes, as well as just the daily work that I do with clients and schools. And Loreen, during our break, referenced how free children are to be, and and they can provide us with an example of how to move through that emotion. And, you know, as I think about how you referenced earlier, being able to do um, some inner child work, and I know that in some of the trauma courses that I've done with Lakeside Global Institute, we've used a, a book called Growing Up Again, which mm-hmm. looks at gaps that um, we may have experienced, may have gotten distorted for us, may have missed in childhood. And it intentionally takes you back into some self-expressive questions and assessment tools to identify where that gap is and then help you process, how can I grow up again in that space, in that moment? And so I appreciate your reference to doing that inner child work. And Cynthia Glover Soror says, how do we move past the shame and guilt that's rooted in childhood trauma? That's such a great question. And I'm still doing that work. I think Mm -hmm. first there's 
the recognition that that work is to be done and then seek, um, you know, their therapists, um, their psychiatrists, their our spiritual healer. There's so many, you know, when I think about our parents and our grandparents, they didn't have the kind of resources that we have now. So, you know, in some cases you might want to check in your network to know if someone's doing work with someone. Um, but you also can simply look on, you know, the internet. There are so many journaling prompts and things to at least start the work or, or buy yourself a book and start writing down your story, if you will. And in writing your story, you sometimes get different perspectives. And you can also go, if your parents are living, go and start having those conversations. I know it's difficult, but in some cases, you know, say, uh, I'd like to cook us dinner and say, there's some things I'd like to discuss or explore with you. And, you know, some of it is just discovering what their childhood was like, because a lot of times you get so many answers when you find out what your parents have gone through and that things are intergenerational kind of, you know, um, things that are passed on and you start to have a bit more room between what they did and who they are and the impact on you and start to have compassion for our parents as human beings with no roadmap and no book on how to parent and how to raise a human being. And mm -hmm. as you said, I love the work that you were doing because some of the work as adults is to reparent ourselves. You might not have had the capacities as a child, but you have them now or you have access to them now. And so you don't get to keep blaming your parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As someone who did, I can, I can own that. <laughs> At and some point, know, it's your life. It's, it's, it is our life. And, we're, and you've said this word a couple of times. Are we willing to do work that's necessary? And um, it is work. It is. It can be it scary, but you are, especially, especially as people of faith, we can recognize that even in those moments, our God will be with us. And so you're not alone mm -hmm. in the work, but it Never. will absolutely take work. And sometimes we get so frustrated that it's not a quick thing or I, how can I just get over this when it actually might be yes. that you have to go through it to get to the other side yes. of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You do. It takes something to sit with shame. Shame feels like it just makes you not feel at home in your body. And so nobody wants to not feel at home in their body but you have to be willing to feel with, with that discomfort in order to say, okay, this is not the truth of who I am. This is not the truth of life. This is just a moment. And let me be with this moment. And it takes something to really be able to sit with and jot down. You know, I started to do kind of a timeline once. I went through my life and did a timeline of trauma, like, all the traumas that I've been through, mm -hmm. the hurts, the pains. And I started to see a pattern, you know, it kind of reminds me of a Jackson Pollock where you look at a painting and it looks like a hot mess. It's just like, who threw all this pain on a canvas and called it art? But when you take a moment, you start to see patterns and design and order. And that's really, life 
has an order to it. And if you're willing to be still, you can discover the order of your own life and the patterns and the experiences that were traumatic, but they had you tap in the spirit in a way and speak to pain like others in a way that others can hear it. Or it allows you to tap in to your compassion and be able to have people have compassion and grace for themselves as they're going through stuff. You know, each of us has something. And if you sit still enough, you can discover what that something is. Mm -hmm. As I think about what you've already shared with us leading up to this moment, that recognizing how we are looking at situations um, and understanding that we're still here. So if we're still Mm -hmm. here, there's still more for us to do, but are we going to continue to carry the shame narrative that sometimes often shifts and changes, not just what we do, but who we believe we are and picking up labels that have been passed to us because of experiences that happened years ago but you're still living now. So will we have situations that happened in the first 12 years of our life continue to drive the the next 30 to 40 to 50 years of our life? We can begin to call shame what it is, Mm -hmm. recognize that it's trying to reshape us, but then take pen to paper to rewrite our narrative of who we are. It's so powerful. I, writing that for you, because I some of your poems and narratives have just, they, they just make me sit and go, whoo, wow. I, I love writing and I came to writing. So when I say I dislike journaling, like that is just, I don't know, it was something about journaling. And over time I've grown to love that, but I love writing. And I think it stemmed from something that happened in my childhood and I didn't feel at home to speak it. So I started to go where I went was internal and it's, and I started to write. And so there was a whole world in writing that I had access to that, Mm -hmm. And I started to observe. And so I was able to see things that I think um, just caught my attention and my eye. I think it was just the way that I was made to see these things. And I always look for the kind of like the line of hope that goes through everything, the, the healing, the invitation in all things to heal. You know, I think we all come to life with a blank canvas where we're whole, complete and perfect. Life happens, paint gets thrown on, somebody puts a color on that you don't like, you know, that you had nothing to do with, but it's still on your canvas. And then each incident happens and it's an invitation to say, will I heal? And when you heal, I think you're restored back to that blank canvas to create and to paint something new. And I think it's important that healing is not given enough attention. We wanna get over stuff, but healing is an act of going through stuff. There is no other way Mm. to heal, but to go through it. And it takes something to go through stuff. 
And so I want to make t make sure that we have time. We only have about four minutes left. And you actually have a healing opportunity that is coming up this month I for do. listeners. Can you tell us the details about it and how people can connect to this healing experience? Certainly. So I have created um, a monthly um, community uh, for women of color to practice meditation. And it doesn't matter what level of meditation that you are. We do a guided meditation. It's once a month. It is on um, the third Wednesday of the month from 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And the website is www.healingcollaborative.net. And it was the one that I mentioned that was created with my friend Peter. And now I'm uh, leading that um, initiative and it's called the Sisterhood Circle of Mindfulness. And the idea is to bring sisters from every walk of life. My mother is on there. Other people's mothers are on there. And so I love the idea of several generations being together and exploring meditation and exploring who we are for one another and community and what our collective breath can create and what can arise in our collective stillness. And so it's been such a privilege and pleasure. And I can't wait to see what it grows into. But for now, it is a monthly event. And so if you go to that website, www.healingcollaborative.net, and you'll see the Sisterhood Circle of Mindfulness. And as I said, it's every third Wednesday, 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And the third Wednesday in April is, is April, April 20th. 20th. Is that yes, correct? coming up. Yes, April 20th. Yes. So... It is coming up. Don't miss this opportunity, um, especially if you've had questions as uh, Laureen has been sharing her heart, her honesty, um, and her own journey of not pushing pain away, but recognizing what have we been invited to experience because this experience is now in front of us. Well, we have two minutes left, and I often ask this question at the end of each episode. If there's a woman, a woman of color, of color, we'll say, she's listening and she is experiencing pain, what do you hope for her as we close out our conversation mm. today? My hope is that she'll look at this pain as what is it that's being um, asked to be birthed? You know, I don't have children, but I know we've birthed relationships, we've birthed businesses, we've birthed books, we've birthed many things, and that whole process requires pain. But then there's something wondrous on the other side of that pain. And so I invite her to sit with it and say, and ask quietly, what is the invitation to birth here? And just state with the pain and allow something new and exquisite and wondrous to be birthed. Mm. Yeah. What will be birthed from this experience? So thank you. Thank you for thank all you. that you are and all that you have shared. This conversation was just as amazing as I thought it was going to be and beyond. So 
If you know of someone who is in a place of pain, make sure you share the link to this episode for an opportunity of reflection, of growth, of healing, and connection. And we look forward to connecting with you next week for another story on the flip side of adversity. I'm Dr. Virgil Jackson, and we will be with you again, same time, same place next week. Thank Thank you you. so much, Sora. This was wonderful. Thank you for tuning into Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.